This episode of the Pursuit Podcast is presented by Fisher Skis. Yo, it's Adam X. You listen to the Pursuit Podcast on the Auto Collective. It's game day. It's Kings and Queens today. Tuesday, February 7th. So you're listening on Wednesday, February 8th. So you're actually hearing me talk about the future from the past. My guest this week, Amy Jane David. She's a competitor. She's in it. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we talk about it in the episode of what we think is going to happen, what she might do, uh, why she showed up, and how important it is to just show up sometimes. So it's a super fun episode. Amy is just as comfortable on a snowmobile as she is on skis. She's got a couple projects coming up. But before we get into all that, I got to talk about my sponsors. First sponsor this week, Sierra Nevada, SierraNevada.com. I know you just finished dry January, most likely, maybe, maybe not. Go check out this hop splash. Zero alcohol, maximum hop flavor. Again, zero alcohol, zero calories, refreshing, hydrating, available nationwide. I love this stuff. It's got hoppy notes of peach, mango, grapefruit, and it kind of gives you that hoppy, you know, taste if you're maybe trying to train for something or you know you just want to take a break from drinking so head on over go to sierranevada.com check out what it is sparkling infused hop water like come on sparkling hop infused water i should say it's so good check it out uh let's get through all the sponsors and then you guys can just enjoy the episode alpine vans alpinevans.com you've seen them in the 50 project with cody townsend the difference with these vans is they're four season vans. They're built for everything, all seasons, cold, spring, hot, summer. They have a gear drying closet, internal water system. So your system doesn't freeze, uh, internal and external ski storage. You can get them in four wheel drive and they're built to explore extremely durable. Like everything about these things is amazing. The fit and finish is phenomenal. We had one for two months. Uh, we beat the crap out of it, and you couldn't even tell. That's how good Todd is building these vans over at Alpine Vans. So if you're thinking about it, go to the quote builder, alpinevans.com, and give it a look. They have an inventory. They actually have the model we had for sale, super discounted price. So go check it out, alpinevans.com, and tell them we sent you. And my third and final sponsor for this week is Darn Tough. Darn Tough, made in Vermont lifetime warranty socks find another company that's handing out lifetime warranty on socks unconditionally guaranteed for life if it's not the most comfortable durable best fitting sock they will replace it i love their website they have a sock finder you can get thick socks thin socks whatever socks you like it's funny we all have like a we don't talk about socks enough the socks that we like i like an ultra thin um they have it all. DarnTough.com. Check it out. And I just want to say thanks to all of our partners, all of our sponsors as we continue rolling into the spring here. Uh, we've got some really exciting things coming up. So, again, go check out Sierra Nevada. Check out Alpine Vans. Check out Darn Tough. And most of all, enjoy this episode. Uh, it's a fun one because we're releasing it the day after an event that we talked about. So, it'll see what happens. Blah, 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 blah. Amy Jane David, you're a rock star. Thank you for being on the show. And I hope All right, let's do it. Amy okay. Jane David. 
correct? Yes, That's, correct. I'm not missing anything. Name. No, first, middle, and last. All first names. All yeah, three first names. I don't usually trust people with two first names. <laughs> well, thank you for addressing me with all three. <laughs> Is that what you prefer? No, it's it's kind of funny. I've I've always just been Amy, you know, and Amy David. My grandma's name is Jane. That's who my where I got my middle name. Um, but yeah, the last few years as I've been growing in the ski industry, um, people will recognize my name, like the full name, as my Instagram handle, and call me Amy Jane David. Um, and it's it's great because Amy David is kind of just like a simple, basic name. So having like the full thing kind of sets me out a little bit as like. Maybe a little bit more unique name, even though it's three very simple first names. So what do you want us to uh, – do you want Amy? Yeah, you can call me Amy. That's fine. What if someone comes up to you in a grocery store? Amy Jane laugh, David. Probably. I'd be like, oh, great. <laughs> um, but I don't mind at all. I, it's nice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is the worst part for you. It's, I think. I don't know. But I don't give you an intro. I let you tell everyone who you are to you. Right. <laughs> so is it, that what you're going to do right now? This is it. This is your moment to tell everyone who Amy Jane David is to Amy Jane David. Great. Yeah, that's funny. Some, I mean, it's funny in the sense that, like, like I wonder what other people think or, like, who people think I am um, and if it's different than just, like, what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. It's always kind of an interesting thing to think about. Um, but yeah, oh, my overall intro, um, what I do right now is um, my main focus is on backcountry skiing. Um, it's what I've always loved and based my life around and life decisions around is around skiing. Um, so yeah, I'm a skier and in the winter, I also snowmobile based in Stanley, Idaho. Um, and in the summertime, I have primarily worked as a backpacking guide and I've supplemented those two different careers with different freelance media work from being a writer to working for the Avalanche Center. Um, I've been pursuing guiding, ski guiding certifications, although I've been a backpacking guide for over 10 years. Um, and yeah, so the overall intro for me. Is it true that you were the youngest person to present an original research paper? on glacial recession at the International Snow Science Workshop? One of the youngest, I would say. My sister is actually the youngest person to present at the ISSW, the International Snow Science Workshop. Um, and that was, so the, my mom is an environmental science teacher and she was really good at mentoring students in the science fair and creating like legitimate research not just like the volcano where you put baking soda and vinegar together it's like like real research and so my best friend at the time and she's probably my longest standing friend ever Jamie Thompson um she's the executive director of the American Avalanche Association now um she just got that job last year uh but her and I did research project essentially it was on glacial recession but we were measuring the like the melt rate, the effects of dust and particulate matter on the melt rate of snow and ice. So we had like small scale little research models that we did. And then we collected snow samples from the Wind River Mountains and the ski area that we um, grew up skiing at in Pinedale, Wyoming. 
and it was all tied back to the oil and gas development that was in Pinedale at the time. And there's other researchers, one of the you know, longest standing researchers on this particular subject, Tom Painter. He's um, one of the science ambassadors for POW, Protect Our Winters. I just found that out the other day. I was browsing. I was like, wow, that's so cool. If that was our, he was our icon at the time. We based a lot of our background research on what he had studied. And so through like my mom's mentorship, um, we had a very professional um, research paper and project that was two years. And we submitted it to the ISSW and got accepted to be presenters. Um, so yeah, we did get to present and we were 15 years old at the time. Um, and my sister is, I would say she's the youngest because she presented when she was even younger than us on her own research that she now has a patent on for snow fences um, and environmental reclamation stuff. So there's a long answer to that question. I, I love that so much. Like they're, it's cool when parents are cool, but they're like, not just like the cool mom. Like she educated you and like, you don't, she made it cool. So you were learning and now you've literally based your whole life around like snow and mountains, whether or not you knew at the time that she was building this foundation, like it's clearly there and it clearly exists. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she definitely sparked like a curiosity in us and especially in me for snow. Like we would sit and look at snow crystals together, just like sitting on the ground. Um, we still would probably do that if we were together and they were like, there was surface whore across the surface, you know, of the snowpack. Um, but yeah, she definitely did that with a lot of the different students that she's taught over the years. Um, her class is definitely a, a favorite for all sorts of kids because they got to go out and in the in the warm seasons, they would go out into the river and collect bugs and study river ecology. And then in the winter, it was studying the snowpack. And there were always like sled races on the shovels down the hill. So it was a chance to actually get outside and learn something. So yeah, I'm super grateful to have had parents that that provided those opportunities for me. At what point did you know you were going to create or make this focus of being because you're more than just a skier, like you're a sponsored snowmobile athlete. You're a hitch or hitchhiking. You're a backpacking guy. <laughs> you're a hitch professional hitchhiker. But like, did you know at a young age that you were going to make this? And I said, we won't dive too deep into your, to, to your past, but like what point were you like, okay, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going to get an education. I'm going to become a guide. Uh, and I'm going to do this professional skier thing. Yeah, there were, I mean, there were a few different um, key moments when I started to shift my focus to that. I'd say I always loved skiing and I always loved being in the outdoors, like since I was a little kid. And um, let's see, I think the moment that I decided to pursue skiing as a profession was, um, I, it was at this lunch I had, I had this opportunity to have a, to work with an artist when I was 17 years old. He was a, like a famous sculptor and he took my mom and I out to lunch and he was asking me what I wanted to do for a living and for work. And I was like, I don't know, maybe I could be a doctor or an actress, like some of these things that I thought were like, which I still had an interest in, but you know, you never know what you truly want to be at, at that age. Um, so I was throwing some ideas out there and he was like, okay, let me rephrase the question. Like if I could tap a wand and you could be anything or anyone, like what would you want to be? 
And then another question was like, if every job in the world paid the same amount of money, like how would you like to spend your time if you had to contribute in a way? Um, and so I, I just kept visualizing like some of the segments of ski movies that I really loved. And I had just seen my first TGR film and I just, it like blurted out of my mouth, like, I want to be a skier. <laughs> and I didn't really know how you can make a living doing that at the time. Um, and I'm still figuring it out. Like, I think everyone's still figuring it out and kind of making it up as we go and evolving as, you know, you can, there's so many different ways to make an income with skiing as the main method. Um, but that, those particular questions that he asked me were when I finally realized like, that's what I wanted to pursue. Um, was the skiing and then also seeing a TGR film where I like opened my eyes to what was possible um, as far as skiing goes. And then I just always loved helping people. And so I got my minor in college in outdoor education and leadership. And that's when I went on my first backpacking trip and it was so hard. <laughs> I had never backpacked before. And if anyone hasn't backpacked, like you're carrying all of the weight of your essentials for surviving basically on your back, like, just you and your feet walking down the trail. Um, and I just remember being so sore and having like rub marks on my hips and shoulders. And, and just as I continued through those courses, I started to fall in love with that. Um, and just like the raw authentic moments that happen when you're out backpacking with a group. So that's where I started the guiding. Yeah. There's something to be said about just carrying what you need and only having what you have. Yeah, exactly. Puts, and then it's just, it's just you, like, you don't have all the external stuff going on. It's just you and what you need. I yeah. Really there's like no, it's no BS. Like, it's just like, I just have to survive, literally survive every day. Not even if it's like harsh conditions, like your job is to just like walk and survive and like, make sure right. you're friends or like whoever you're with. Sometimes they don't feel like friends uh, on hiking trips, but like you just make sure everyone's okay in like whatever capacity that is. Yeah, exactly. I always joke that it's like a great um, kind of sussing out new relationships. Like my oh. boyfriend and I went backpacking a lot during our first year dating and it was great because, yeah, there's no BS. It's like, this is who I am. <laughs> you know, yeah, there's you no know, hiding. Like, like you're dirty, you're disgusting, like you're, yeah. but like you're not in a rude way, but like you're raw. It's like, it's refreshing because most times yeah. relationships, relationships get there. You always get to like, the wrong disgusting is the wrong term, but like you always get to the comfortable part. Well, sometimes it's accurate. <laughs> no, but like, I just mean as like humans, like, you know, I was right. leaving last week and I gave my girlfriend a hug and I, I was like, I stink. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just gross. Like I, but like, that would never happen in the first like beginning. You're like, cause oh, yeah, I always, I wouldn't like, see her unless I was clean. Now I'm like, I'm disgusting. And I'm like, Thanks like for loving me. me. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had a professor in college who, she was our outdoor education professor. And we went on this two week um, class that was two weeks in the backcountry. Like one week was back or pack rafting and we did a resupply. And then the next week was canyoneering. And when we came back into our classroom sessions after that, she's like, wow, I like you all. Like when you're grungy, like the dirt bag versions, like you just looks more real when you're out there all grimy. We looked too like shiny for her when we were back in the classroom, which I thought was kind of funny. At that age too, like you're in college, everyone's like, you know, you're in like sweatpants, like matching sweatpants suit, but like full makeup. And it's like, what does this look? 
It's like the college thing. We all did it, right? Like we all had to like, like we're dirt bags, but we're like, like prim and proper. Yeah, that's so funny you say that. I had a friend that um, met me in college when I was like, I guess you could call it like dirt bag phase, which I don't know if that's ever left or if I've always been that way, you know. But in when I was a teenager, I was in a beauty pageant and he didn't know that. And, and then when he found that out, he's like, oh, I like the dirtbag version of you much better. And I kind of laugh. I was like, well, I'm the same person. It's just how you perceive me is different, but it's still the same me, you know. But perception's everything. Mm-hmm. It really is. Like I've – it's really funny. Sometimes it's not, but like perception's everything in this world. And that's a whole other podcast. But like sometimes it's – Sometimes it's great and sometimes it's really bad. And it's like, it's so weird that people care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Like you can find out a few details about somebody and then create this entire storyline of who that person is without actually knowing. I think that happens a lot. I think it happens a lot more now. Like Instagram, like we see the Amy David that you show us on Instagram. Mm-hmm. We don't see the Amy David in the everyday life. Right. It's, so, yeah. So like people who are your fans think they know you and like, I'm sure it's a truer version of yourself, but like, it's still what, like there's still days you're sad. Like you're just not riding a snowmobile and like skiing every moment. And like, it happens right. a lot, but it's just a weird, like, I don't know. I have no idea where I'm going with this other than it's just like, it's bizarre. Like in this Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, I mean, Facebook's kind of dead, but like, it's really weird. Cause then these people see all the content you put out and they think they know you, whether that's good or bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, there's, that's, there's a lot loaded onto that concept, but yeah, someone today just mentioned, and I, I'm that person that's, I know it's kind of annoying, but I made an Instagram for my dog, my puppy I just got. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. <laughs> but I just have so much, so many photos and videos and I think it's cute. So anyways, I put them on there and someone was like, wow, like your dog just looks so well behaved on on the post that you put on social media. I was like, well, she's like a Tasmanian devil half the time. And I think that in itself is kind of like a metaphor for, for us as people. Yeah, like the dog um, just pissed was, on the floor and ate my Crocs, but like right. here's a cute photo like, of her. I've had like um like a, and I I didn't just have a mental breakdown, but it could be like I just had a mental breakdown, but I just posted this like pow shot, and people are like, oh wow, she's just happy and having a great time out there, and I think that's a slippery slope, and I'm victim to it also, where I compare, I call it comparisonitis, where you start like scrolling through social media and seeing what other people are doing and getting like, I get a little bit anxious inside. I'm like, shoot, like I need to get out and like do this, or maybe I should travel to this place and, and, you know, go skiing or that person's whatever it is skiing or like an internal state. It's, uh, it's not great all the time. And it happens to all of us. It's just a human psyche. Um, so I don't, I try to be conscious of trying to not contribute to that, like angst in other people if they're seeing what I'm posting, but then as a professional skier in a lot of my contracts, you know, there's requirements to post certain number of videos and photos and you want it to be positive and uplifting ideally, you know, 
it's such a tricky like matrix that's happening and I'm very aware of it and don't want to negatively be contributing to other people's like discomfort by like looking at social media, but it happens. There's no winning in that though. Like I think there's a lot of, um, I'm not saying any names because I never will, but like there's a lot of like ski influencers who feel like, I'm not calling you an influencer, but like who feel like they have to like, tell everyone their highs, but also tell everyone their lows. And I'm like, you don't have to tell us all that. Like, I appreciate you sharing, but like, you don't have to tell us all that. Like you can, if you want to share great, but some things on the internet, I'm like, I feel like this person feels like they have to share that. And that stinks. Like, right. Totally. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Like you don't need to overshare. Yeah. But it's like, I think let it be. Well, I think some people feel like they have to, like they have to deliver content, whether it's Mm -hmm. good or bad. And like, maybe they don't have enough photos in the queue of like that beautiful pow shot. So they're like, I'm sad today. And like, don't get me wrong. Sometimes that's nice to see people sad too. Maybe I, maybe that perks me up a little bit. Like, oh, cool. You're sad that I can relate to that. I can't relate to a helicopter, but I can relate to your sadness today. But I don't know. It's, it's so, I mean, it's Instagram, social media is like the most necessary evil that I think our generation has ever had. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I try to intentionally, at least in my like career and my personal life, build a lot of, like, well, career-wise, I try and build a lot of value outside of social media. Like, I think it's an important part right now for, for you know, just the state that that we're in, but like I try and do real life things with people. Like if that's guiding or hosting a retreat or teaching avalanche education, you know, like tangible things that are adding value to the community and also to myself, like continuing to improve if I'm taking courses or just spending time in the mountains for just personal days. Like, I think that's really important to separate and like social media is what it is. And then I have this entire life outside of it and you know, I think that's important to for other people to also do and to remember that. Yeah, it's hard. It's a hard balance. I think that's mm-hmm. I think that's what we're all trying to figure out is that is that balance. Um right. speaking of things outside of Instagram, this kind of falls in Instagram, I guess, but you you got into a TGR film. You got in. Magic hour. You're in. Yeah, crack the code. <laughs> how how does this go? Are you sitting on the couch? Like binge watching, I don't know, like squad squid games. I'm trying to think of what came out last year. Um, I haven't even heard of that. Oh, it's so good. I mean, like, I'm one of those people that likes old West stuff. So I'm a fan of like Yellowstone and 1883 and the 1923. I haven't seen any I, of those. That's, I know. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> but are you sitting binge watching Yellowstone, eating a bucket of popcorn and like you get a call from TGR and or like, let's go. Do you hear whispers that like, I think they're going to call me? What does this look like? Right. No, I like that question. Cause I like in the films, it's always like, you know, the cliche, the athletes like, so I got the call and then it rolled out. Um, <laughs> it's not <laughs> like, how it, it went. For me, it didn't, yeah. It did, for me, it didn't quite happen that way. Um, I have been interested in working with TGR for a very long time. Um, I've always been interested in production. Like, of course my childhood dream is to be a skier in films but I'm still interested in like the full spectrum of the production. So 
I've been kind of pinging them over and over throughout the years. Like I went and met with Todd Jones in 2014. I messaged him and asked him for advice. And he like met with me in his office and let me ask him whatever questions I had. Um, that so that was what phenomenal. I Phenomenal. Yeah, it was awesome. I was so grateful. And I still today, I always tell him like, Todd, remember? And we're always like, whoa, how long ago was that? Um, but yeah, I was super grateful for that. Um, and I think it's good timing. Like it's taken years before I became an athlete, but also I've been still like developing my skill set as an athlete and as a backcountry partner. And I feel like I'm at a good point right now where it does make sense to actually be part of the film. Um, so timing is kind of everything. But over the last few years, I've been talking back and forth and we've been pitching ideas back and forth with some of the producers about doing a snowmobile specific like sled ski film and one that talks about it's to, like focused on like a, a feminine side of being in the industry and that didn't quite pan out but my sponsor Polaris and Rab equipment those two different brands wanted to be part of the annual film that happens and they um, advocated for me as the athlete that would represent their brands um, which I was really grateful for. And I made it very clear to my brand, like my sponsors that I work with, that was one of my goals. I think that's really important. If it's my advice for people is like, make your goals clear to people who can empower you and put you in the position that you want to be in. Um, so yeah, then it finally, so these conversations have been going back and forth for a long time. And then I was on a product shoot with my ski sponsor, Icelandic skis at Alta. And, and I had like a, FaceTime or a Zoom call with the full team at TGR. And I was sitting in the like in the Jeep in the middle of the parking lot and they said they wanted to work with me for the annual film. So Magic Hour would be that one. Um, and then that was in January and I didn't know what it was going to look like until mid-March when they called and said, like, we're all going to we're going to send a crew out to Cook City, Montana. Um, are you available? I was like, yes, absolutely. I'm available. <laughs> um, so then I spent three weeks out there with um, the whole film crew for the sled ski segment. I'm trying to think of the best way to put this, yeah. but what I heard for anyone listening was shoot your shot. Like mm -hmm. don't, I, I've talked to you for 23 minutes and what I've gotten is like, don't be afraid to educate yourself. And don't be afraid to like reach out and find mentors and like, they might say no, but like, then that's not your mentor. That doesn't fit. That's okay. But like mm -hmm. reach out, shoot your shot, have the conversations, put yourself in position to succeed. And then, I mean, it was almost a 10 year gap. It was eight years for yeah, like, till, like, till it like came to life, but like also being honest, transparent, you know, your sponsors exist to support you and like, you do so much for them that they should do things for you. But that, I think a lot of people listening think you just get like free snowmobiles and that's it. And it's like, no, 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 it's not what, no. it's not what the brand can do for you. It's what you are doing for the brand. And that's how, that's why sponsorships exist. Um, so you being transparent, I'm being like, I, my goal is to get into a major film, specifically a TGR film. Like that is my goal. I'm sure if someone else called you, probably would have picked up the phone but like the goal the priority the thought was like i want to get in a tgr film and you put in the work to make it happen mm -hmm. that's impressive yeah cool thank you i 
I think you're a, you're a good listener because that feels like what my intention has been and like not being afraid of rejection and knowing that like if someone turns you down you're right like maybe it's not a great fit and there's other opportunities out there and if it's what you really want to do you'll keep pursuing it and improving yourself until you can like get to the point where it makes sense to partner with say that brand or that you know be in a film or you know if for anyone else that's listening it's same like if you're trying to get hired for a certain job position like you need to build up your own skill set so that you fit that job position and then just like keep trying if that's what you really want. That's what I am. I'm pretty relentless <laughs> and not afraid to advocate for myself. And I think that's kind of important. Like you can't just sit around and wait for the call for some people that are like super, super, super talented. And it's like in everyone's face, how skilled they are. Like maybe they'll just get a call one day, but for most of us, we've got to advocate for ourselves because there's a lot of great talented skiers out there. There's a ton of talented skiers that we don't even know their names. And those right. people are like, like bless their hearts. Like they don't want any of it. They're just like so good. I have a friend, Chip. We'll just call him Chip for this podcast. Everyone listening that knows will know. But like I will like argue and no one could ever prove this or argue back. But like he's one of the best park skiers in North America. Doesn't want anything. Like he skis on junk. He has two different skis on half the time because the other one's broke. I'm like, hey, dude, I have, I know enough people that like we can get you on a brand. You can get just free skis and just have fun. You don't have to do anything. No, he's, no, I don't want it. Like, I don't. And I'm like, if I had that talent, I would be like in everyone's face. Like, I can't, I don't know how those people exist. And like, I tip the hat to them, but like, it's crazy. And then there's the other 99% of pro athletes who are really, really, really great athletes, but had to work their, asses off to get to the level they're at and like even get the call right yeah it's crazy yeah, you're so right there's so many people who are like yeah this like soul skiers and i think that's awesome yeah soul skiers and, like uh yeah. what was that movie right. what brink do you remember brink i don't know i don't want to age you i'm oh. old oh brink was an old disney film about rollerblading when like rollerblading was cool and yeah they, they were i wish i could yeah. You should see it. It's so good. Are you a rollerblader? No. I mean, when I was young, it was cool when I was young. Like, mm -hmm. like my buddy was a pro rollerblader on Solomon's pro team. Like, it was a thing that existed right. when <laughs> before we had internet. Um, but there was this movie that Disney got on because it was big and it was called it was called Brink, and there was like the pro team, and then there were the Soul Skaters. And that was like right. the thing. And they had to have a sponsor to get into the comp. So they called like the local dog wash and got sponsored to Pup and Suds. Oh, I'm telling you, it's a home run film. I'm dating myself, <laughs> but it. it's good. It makes me think of, um, I've through working with TGR the last year, I've spent some time with Kai Jones. Yeah. And every time I'm near him, I'm like, you're like the type, you're the type of kid people make like Disney movies about. Yeah. Sure. Well, maybe maybe he wants to be more than just a Disney movie. Maybe more MTV. I don't know. I don't even watch TV, so I don't know. I don't what's think MTV cool is cool anymore. It's Literally, just like YouTube. <laughs> like it's just YouTube. Right, YouTube, which he just started a YouTube channel, so that makes sense. Yeah, he'll never but, have like, to ski again. He's by just... like superstar act athlete, um, action sports athlete, like great personality. You know, 
anyways, it's funny. We're at the TGR, like the film premieres at the poster signing. Somehow I was always sitting next to Kai. And in New York City, like something about New York City, they love him. And I don't blame him. He's amazing. And he's a great kid. But there'd be like this single file line straight to Kai. And the rest of us were like, cool. Dang it. Like, <laughs> we're, we're, we're here. here. It's fine. <laughs> and I don't expect anything because, you know, like, I, why would anyone in New York City know, like, who I am or, like, care about having my poster? And I'm not, like, attached to that. Like, my ego is very much detached from that. But I always thought it was so comical. Like, he, the people love him. And rightfully so. He's a great kid and insanely skilled. How many posters do you think you are in North America right now with your – with you on no it idea. give me a number how many <laughs> posters do you think you've signed probably a couple probably a couple hundred is that an insane thing for you yeah yeah it's really it's kind of cool like i remember getting posters you know like most people do as kids at at the ski movies and i used to have them hung up in my bedroom when i was a kid and then when i went to college in salt lake city i started becoming friends with those people i was like oh i should put my posters away <laughs> um it's so funny anyways, to realize cool. they're I, humans I, them now. I was like you guys you inspired me who's so your biggest ski inspiration Ooh. oh rachel burks is for sure okay you you hesitated I, and then you swerved i swerved yeah well because i was thinking i was like oh there's so many but rachel burks um when i was really pursuing when I first started really pursuing like my, myself becoming a skier um professionally Rachel was someone I really looked up to she just because she would just go huge like she would send front flips on huge cliffs she had a wild personality and I just thought she was really awesome and I so my second week when I went to Salt Lake City for college um pursuing this dream that was probably at the time pretty far-fetched <laughs> Um, I really grew into that stuff, um, but I blew my ACL, and my knee surgeon was Rachel Burke's dad. Oh, perfect, um, Bob. Yeah, Dr. Bob Burks, and he was—he's as funny as she is. Um, but when I found out that he was her dad, I was a little starstruck, and I think he probably thinks it's kind of comical. But anyways, yeah, she was like, she's somebody I thought was just a really cool, like wild person, and and still today she is, and I. Yeah. I love she, that you she keep, does a great job empowering other people too. I love like, that you keep saying pursuing this career. Like I could pursue pursue a career in ski in like I want to be a professional skier and I will never be a professional skier. Like it's never gonna happen. I might make a film out of like I'm in the background when they're like I wasn't supposed to be there. That's how I'm gonna make a film. I don't stop like, true. Someday I'm going to be like Kings and Queens. Like I'm hoping like I'm just going to be in the background of a shot and be like, I made it into like something. That's my, I'll tell, I'll tell everyone you're my coach and you can stand at the takeoff for me. I will do that for you. I, what do you want me to like? You want motivation? Like, I'm thoughts? blind. I need him to mark the takeoff. <laughs> it's all blind. Let's okay. Let's get right into yeah. Kings and Queens. Okay. You got the invite. Mm-hmm. Are you sad that you get the invite or are you excited that you get the invite? <laughs> That's a, that's a great, great question. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's interesting. I've The first time Kings and Queens started, I would watch it and was fully gripped. Like, it makes me sweat just thinking about it. Um, but I was, I thought I could see myself competing in it from the time it started. Um, and then, you know, when Veronica did 
well, there were a lot of girls actually the first year that attempted backflips. Um, and then when Veronica landed hers, I was like, okay, well, I don't know if I could do that. I mean, I could try, but I also like, I can do backflips, but trying to land one into Corbett's, I'm not sure if that's at this point, something I'm really that motivated to do. Cause I finally, like, I don't necessarily feel like I have to prove myself. Um, cause I'm doing like what I really want to do right now, which I feel lucky to say that, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, so I the last year there were only two female skiers, and I'm that person that's like commenting on on Jackson's post. I'm like, why are there only two female skiers? There's so many incredibly talented women out there who would be amazing in this competition. Like, I can name, I'll write you a list. I'll do all the email intros. Like, I didn't write that in the comment. I was like, why are there only two female skiers in this question mark? And then send an email that's like if you need recommendations, here are all these people I think would be qualified, plus myself. So I was like recommending myself too. And then this year, once I got an invitation, I was like, oh, right. You put yourself in this position. Activism <laughs> got me again. And now, I have to say, yeah. <laughs> and now I have to say yes, because I pushed so hard to be part of it. And now <laughs> that I'm invited and maybe, you know, I don't know. Anyways, I am a little nervous in case you can't tell. Do but you want to keep talking fun. about it? keep talking about it yeah <laughs> um yeah so w- when i've had the thoughts of not doing it this year i am kind of like, like well just showing up and being another female who's positive and like trying really hard like that's enough in itself like i don't need to go and win it'd be cool if i did but like just representing like the women in skiing and being there um is important to me so that's one of the reasons why when I've been like a little nervous that I don't back out. Um, and I think it's exciting. Like I've, I've always wanted to do it. So just following through. Yeah. That's one of those times where you're like, I should be there. And then you're like, all right, you're here. And you're like, Oh, okay. All right. Let's do it. Actually, I'm busy. <laughs> what is there any, it's funny. Jake didn't want to talk about it at all. Not in like, he was like, I don't know. I just go, I just like, you can't, do you have any strategy? Do you know what you're going to throw? Do you have ideas of what you're going to throw? Yeah. Or do you just like. Look, Jake, Jake and Parkin, I, cause they've done it since the beginning, I think. And I, I've just like trust them after skiing with them for the TGR shoot last year. Um, and they know like my skill set. So I'm like, what do you guys think? And they're like, you crush it. Like they're great hype guys. You know, they're like 20, I think Parkins 23 and Jake's like 25 and I'm 31. So I was like, yeah, cool, you're these old. young guys Welcome. me up. Yeah, I'm like the old lady. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, whenever Jake talks about it, he's like, yeah, unfortunately I'm doing it again. I'm like, well, that's not very inspiring. Like now I'm scared. Like I was fine until you said that. Um, but my strategy I've decided is to have fun and just do my best. And then I don't need to like go beyond my skill set and like prove anything. I don't need to break any records. Um, But I think what I'd like to do is like a clean straight air off the top, you know, like take it off the top, try to do a grab and land it clean, manage the ski, the speed. And then I can do backflips and sometimes can do 360s. So my goal is in the next few weeks to go and practice on park jumps. Um, because there's park jumps at the bottom of the couloir. So yeah, go if it, and, so like, if it wasn't that, enough, so, you have to now hit like, like a park booter. <laughs> right. For yeah, someone who's not a park skier. But I've done each of the segments so like I can incrementally break it down. Like I I love to go off of big cliffs. 
But when I do that, it's normally like, okay, check out the takeoff, landing's clear, you know, step up a few feet until I have enough speed, jump off the cliff, land, maybe hike up, do it again. It's so like that. And then I do a lot of skiing, like steep skiing, and I go backcountry skiing in the sawtooths. Um, so like couloirs are really enticing to me. And Corbett's looks really wide compared to a lot of the stuff that we ski in the sawtooths. And then there's, you know, the jump features down below, and I like to hit jumps, but all I, the only trick I really have is a backflip. It's so funny so, to me that people have like, backflips and not 360s. Like, how does this happen? Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, it happens because, well, I learned 360s when I was in middle school, and I could do like the helicopter 360s, right. which are not that stylish. Um, and I can do them for days on the trampoline. But when I was in college, I had, I had this boyfriend and he was a great skier, but we had broken up. And the first day back, the first time we decided to ski together after breaking up, we're like, let's try to be friends. He did a 360 off this jump on the first run, landed back seat while still spinning and blew his ACL out and was just, I won't say his name, but he was laying in the snow crying. And I was like, oh, this is so bad. Like, do you want me to leave? Should I stay? Like, did I make it worse? Oh, no. <laughs> so like a fortunate situation for everyone. But um, in my mind, I have that vision of like the landed landing backseat still spinning stuck in my head. And after having two ACL surgeries, like all, you know, the compounding mental process. But um, I just have to make myself do it. And I want to, I just keep avoiding it. They're so easy. Like, I think, I feel like you have the skill set to do this. It's yeah, not that hard. I totally do. Like it's, yeah, it's you, a mental block for sure. You need to find small jumps and do them off at first and just like both ways and just get them. And then it's like, like as an old right. man, that's all I have. I'm like, this is all I have. Like I can still do I bet threes. They awesome. They're okay. They've gotten worse. Yeah. It's... Well, okay. So then I was really confident about the backflip. And, and then just last weekend, I was um, doing a film shoot. It was like a last minute strike mission. We were shooting with TGR for this year's film, Parkin and I, and the film crew. And both Parkin and I built these jumps where we would be jumping kind of over a cornice. It was like the snow stability was stable, which was great. That's why we chose. We could jump over a cornice and land on the slope and ski a line. And of course he built a really big kicker. And at the time I was feeling a little nervous. I was like, oh, I'm going to make it like a smaller one over here. I did not make it big enough. And in the morning we all left at dark. We got there right at sunrise. It was beautiful light. And I went first and did not go fast enough or big enough. <laughs> and I like executed like perfect form through the air. And then the tips of my skis as I came around dug into oh, the, perfect. the cornice. And <laughs> I just remember looking at it like, well this stinks and you know down to face plant face smear down the down the landing um it was soft and it was fine but i need to go and get some rebate before the <laughs> king and queens so i can boost my you've my got 10 days you have 10 stuff. days to learn 360s again and backflips <laughs> apparently i don't think a backflip you don't have though you just miscalculated your speed yeah exactly yeah it looks real like, i don't mean to toot my own horn but I've been really practicing keeping like my form straight because sometimes my feet drift and I, you know, I've been trying really hard and I nailed it. Like it was great Dang form it. in the air. 
but it was a full face plant. So, you know, yeah, you'll have you win some, you lose some, and it's okay. We'll, cl- we'll cut to it. something else quickly, or you just make the crash reel, which also counts. So, did Everyone you go back and hit this jump? Did you get it? No, and it's been bothering me since then. Oh, yeah, because we were racing back. the light, we had like these few, several different objectives, and that was our first one. And then we had to make it to this other zone by a certain time to like get the, the light on it. And it was a big film crew and and I just didn't want to, I mean, there was already a bomb hole in the landing and I was like, it's okay, you guys, like I'll come back for this. And now I'm second guessing, like oh, I should have just hit it again. But I really wish I had built the jump bigger. And so I'd like to come back with a larger jump. So I don't want to do the same thing over again and then waste everyone's time. Right. So yeah, you got to pick and choose your battles with the filming too, because it's not just like your ego that's part of it. Well, oh, I guess everything. that's not just ego too, because I want to land it and get a good shot. It's, I don't know, there's so much involved in it that I was trying to be conscious of the whole production and not just myself. Um, yeah, it's but, yeah. Um, there's so much to making ski films, ski photos. Like there was a, I don't remember who it was. I've brought this up in other episodes before. There was this uh, ski photographer who talked about shooting with Tom Walsh and how hard it was because he would just get the trick the first time. Like you nailed it, and you're like you have to hit right. that urban rail again, because like right we need a different angle. <laughs> but like also I didn't get it. Like the photographer didn't get it. Like you have like everything has to line up perfectly. Right. So it mm-hmm. it's so, it's so much work. Like the fact that TGR films are 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes is insane. Like that yeah. go. I, I dare anybody to go out and make a two minute click or two minute clip of anything more than three of your closest friends would want to watch. Like it's mm-hmm. hard to stack two minutes of film. That's good. Oh, that's so true. Like, it's, like I'll make an edit of, of myself or my friends. That's like at least five minutes or longer. I'm like, you can't cut anything. Like I'm so attached. It's all so good, but like no one's going to watch that no, whole thing. No one. So Which like kinda breaks my heart, but. for TGR to put out a film that's, we'll just say 60 minutes that people want to watch is crazy. And that's a testament to their filming, to the athletes, to the partnerships they choose, to the locations. Like it's so much work and I'm going somewhere with this. How do you feel about Warren Miller? Maybe possibly not putting out a film this next year. Oh yeah. I was just going to say that it's, it's sad. I think it's really sad. Um, I, I was more of like a TGR MSP fan than warren miller but still like warren miller is such a great production and like i think something that warren miller did really well is it's a celebration of all different types of skiing you know like they showcase ski school and ski patrol and heli skiing and then athletes going to different locations i think that was really cool that they did that and like so many people mainstream not just core ski fans but like mainstream people connected and liked to watch warren miller and I think it's a sad thing. It reminds me of when Powder Magazine disappeared. Yeah. Like those are the things that inspired us. Well, I don't know. I don't want to speak for other people, but for me as a young person, like seeing the potential of, of what somebody can do with their life or what they can do as a skier, if you pursue it as a career or you just are skiing for fun, like, I don't know. It's like a celebration of, of what we can do in the mountains. And it's sad to me that, that they're not doing it again. Yeah. I have a lot to say on the matter and I'm always like okay who what should I say and how should I say it but 
I'm sad for the athletes. I'm sad for the filmers. Mm-hmm. I'm sad for anyone who lost their job. But Warren Miller, this is a really hot take. Warren Miller Entertainment died with Warren Miller. And uh-huh. and I, I, like, from Warren Miller Entertainment suing Level 1 when they used Warren Miller, the human's voice. Like, he narrated a film, and then Warren Miller Entertainment sued Warren Miller and Level 1. That is insane to me. Like... What Warren Miller, the human, represented and what he created. And, you know, 75 years is coming up. And there was times with Warren Miller and without him. And that's, we'll just say 75 years coming up. Ski films weren't what they are now. They're not these tours. It was this guy who just, like, refused to grow up, sacrificed his family friends to make these things because that's all he knew how to do and that's like sad in itself but also amazing because he saw what it could be and he created Mm -hmm. this thing and it wasn't just ski porn it was family skiing and like professional skiing and he gave so many of our heroes careers like those films put those faces on the map and I can get into like outside and Warren Miller entertainment, but like I'm sad that it's gone, but I don't think it's ever fully been there since he left the company. Mm -hmm. And I just hope that someone has the funds to call those people who are part of it to make something great again. And like, yeah, I think that's a good take on it. I, I, I tried to tiptoe and I'm a little long winded with it, but like, I don't want anything to fail in the ski industry. Like it bums me out. We need it. It's war mm-hmm. Miller. It got, you know, the war Miller name got butts and seats. It butts and seats. It did. It's true. It, it was the it once, it, really it was the once a year ski film, whether it be war Miller entertainment or Warren Miller films 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Put butts in seats. You could rent the local movie theater and sell buttered popcorn, and like people would watch a ski film. Like that is a crazy thing that never happened and like didn't happen. And that man made it happen. And I think business got involved, and it bums me out, and that's fine. But I'm more sad. I'm not sad that Warren Miller Entertainment died. I'm sad that. All of our friends who are filmers, producers, audio engineers, skiers, snowboarders, that they don't have something to film this year. And most of them will land on their feet, but like it's January and they're getting a call to say that. Yeah, I think that's what's that's a big bummer for them personally, like. I wonder how much lead time they had to know about this. I don't think a lot. Um, I found out like three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So that was my lead time. Yeah. It's not very much time, especially if you, you know, your career is doing that in the winter. 
And all of a sudden it's winter. Like, cool. What am I going to do now? Right. And maybe you said no to TGR because you filmed with Warren Miller and you're like, it's a whole thing. And I hate when business gets into skiing, but skiing is a business and we need to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not here to like shit on any big brands or, but they do claim that they're doing a two year project and that they will make a ski film again. So like with all of that thing I just said, let's hope they are right and we are wrong. Yeah. But it's really hard to make a two-year film if you're not filming for two years. Right. Yeah, it's hard. I'm curious <laughs> to see like what comes out of it. Like what comes out of that two-year project and then what they have envisioned for the future. You know, because there's probably a lot of stuff we don't know and hundred percent. Like you know, that's why we're I'm... like creating our own storyline of like someone's life, even though we only know like two facts about it. For sure. But yeah, overall, it's such a huge bummer that it's not what it has been in the past. Because what has been has been really, really great for a lot of people. Um, yeah, I so, think we can all agree yeah, that it's a huge bummer. To see and everyone who's been. mad at me, who knows the full story, this is just <laughs> my opinion. Uh, and that's yeah. how I felt for a long time. And I hope that this two-year project can buy them enough time to figure it out and do it right and continue to do it right. Like I, I, I think there's a right way to do it. And I think the films are still good. I think the filmers are great. I just think that you need to figure out how to make this fit. Cause films cost a lot of money. Like so much. And I know Warren Miller is a lot. It's a ton. I mean, it's just a, it's a lot of money. Uh, that's just, it's a movie. Like it's an hour and a half long film and you on filmed on a billion different locations with, 40 different people at each location. Like that's, I don't know. What's your, okay. I have a question for you. What's your opinion? Like ski media. And I'm trying to come from the perspective of like an average skier, like someone who is a recreational skier and they do it because it's fun. And you know, maybe they're weekend warriors. Like what's your opinion for them on, on like internet stuff, like short films versus like a ski movie that's premiered in a theater where, you know, it tours around the country and it's like this big fun thing in the, in the fall versus like stuff that's always coming out throughout the season or like shorter film projects. I don't know if major films are sustainable long-term. I hope. This point. What's that? Like beyond this point. Cause they've made it this far, you know? Right. But they're crumbling. Like they're just starting to plink off. Like, I just don't know. I hope they can exist because there's something extremely special about that TGR movie premiere mm-hmm. in November. And like like at um, our local ski shop does an MSP movie premiere every year at the same bar. The bar's way too small for how many people show up. It's kids. It's adults been going on for probably 15 years that is the season kickoff even if we're not skiing for another three weeks so i hope it can work i hope it can exist but i don't know i don't know if it can and i don't know i have this is i have no idea i don't know like tgr needs a lot of sponsors and they need a lot of funding and they need people to but then they like show it for free. So it's like, how do you, 
recoup that. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's I. I can't, I'm curious about that stuff. I don't know. I but don't. I hope cool it can exist. Yeah, so. I hope so too. Like I like the. I think there's a space for both of them. Like small, small stuff that you can consume on the internet, but then, like I don't know, feeling the energy of this like big room of people who are just excited to see a ski film is is was pretty cool to feel this last year. I Maybe think, it's like exacerbated after like the COVID lockdowns when we weren't like doing as many group gatherings. So now it's like this revamped excitement. I don't know. It was fun to see that. I think it, I think uh, during COVID we rented a big screen and then we showed it outside. Like, but that's yeah. cool. Like that's like a thing because it needed to happen. Um, but then like Todd and Amy, they have like the small, I forget what it's called, but like oh, Cowtown Revival tour. Yeah, but like those are really neat, and like you get like, you know, bar fight and a bunch of other. Because there's something to be said about me watching a film five minutes on YouTube on my computer screen, or like watching a five minute film with my friends. And when you can get that Powtown Revival to like get six of those films and showcase them, like. I, I don't know. I think there's power in the big screen and there's power in community. And that's what skiing is at the end of the day is the community. Are big ski companies sustainable? Like ski media companies sustainable? I don't know. It costs a ton of money to make a ski film. I hope so. Like I hope brands continue to see value in it. Because if the brands pull out, it's over. It's just like OR. Like, oh, yeah. Like... <laughs> The brands are in control of the ski films. So yeah, if, they are. if the brands are listening, like you killed OR. There's <laughs> How no, could you? But there's no argument. Like as soon as you guys all pulled out, that ski show doesn't exist doesn't in the way that it did. It still exists, mm -hmm. but like, and I'm not here to argue if that's good or bad, whatever. You have to do what you have to do. But if they pull out from ski films, ski films will not exist. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's good or bad. I can't, I don't, I think we need ski films. I like the idea of sitting on footage for a year and like having your mind blown versus just like putting out something immediately that gets breezed over. Mm -hmm. Like it could be the most insane clip, but like the only person who can do that is Candied. Like he can put a clip out and the world stops and they all mm -hmm. watch it. Yeah. He's so creative with it and skilled. He posted a clip of like him and Glenn Plake today, like doing nothing and the internet. He's so mysterious. Maybe that's right. Right. I think he's Banksy. That's my new theory. They're the same person. You know what? Yeah. Same vibe. Same person. They have the same vibe. They're the sure. same person. But I don't know. I hope ski films exist. <laughs> I, and I don't mean to hate on anything Warren Miller. Uh, I just like, and I, this is me backpedaling publicly, um, but I just like, I want them to exist. I want my my peers and my friends to have jobs doing what they love doing. And like, we need, we need ski films. Like I hope that outside does the right thing. And I hope that we just don't know the full story. That's like what I hope. I hope we don't know the full story and then it's going to come out soon and they have a plan. And I will say, I'm sorry, but like, yeah, that, that's what you know, I hope. You know what I want to do is like, I think the action stuff is really cool. Like that's exciting and like more like a party scene vibe, like cool to watch 
and you're like, sweet, now I'm stoked. But I really want to do more like storytelling, you know, coming back to your first question about the, the glacial recession research. I've been like over the last 10 years, really developing my backcountry ski skills and like expedition style projects. Um, and I want to tell like some stories of say glacial recession, but use skiing as like a mode of catching the attention of people. And then you incorporate information and, and like a storyline of the location you're going to. And I mean, that stuff exists already, but kind of like national geographic style times TGR. Well, it's like I tricking it's us into caring. Excited about it's tricking us it's into like, caring. Yeah. Which yeah, is exactly. good. Like you need uh, mm-hmm. Kit, Kit Delorier just did one with um, Nate mm-hmm. in the wild and Sophia. Um, I'm blanking on the name, but it's phenomenal. I'll send it to you. They just did one in the Arctic refuge on how like things are melting and like we need to pay attention, but they did like mm-hmm. this, like they skied one good line and then they did like this ass kicker traverse that didn't look fun at all. Um, mm-hmm. But like they tricked me into caring about science, which I do care about, but you know what I mean? I was like, this is awesome. Like, yeah. Uh, exactly. Jim Morrison's there. It's, it's so good. Uh, and I think those pro like, you know, Cody Townsend's a perfect example. And like, we all like Cody, it's Cody, it's Cody. But like the 50 project was a now is like, Oh, this is brilliant. But like mm-hmm. when he walked away from like big lines and filming to do this 50 project, that was a risk for him. Mm-hmm. And now he's getting, 300k per episode and like it's working but that's like proof of concept so like right i yeah and i think something that's cool with cody's project is like the transparency um as far as like backcountry skiing goes so like someone could watch that and see oh he's like turning around on this objective because of the like reason x y and z oh then when they go to do an objective you know if you look up to cody or someone like cody and you see them sharing their reasoning of why they're doing certain things and making certain decisions in the backcountry in particular. But I think that's a cool like outcome of that project too, is it's, it's teaching like what's beyond the cool shot, you know, what goes into it. Oh, the skiing's terrible. Like 98% of the time, which is great. Like it's, yeah. And (laughs) And that's what a lot of people like to do, you know, like mountaineer style. Oh um, yeah. But it's, it's totally relatable and i think there's room for both i think there's room for relatable content i think there's room for ski porn but i think storytelling is just going to continue to get better yeah Um, i think so too and like i think that's i i think there's gonna be both i hope there's both i hope there's ski porn films because those are just neat but then there needs to be like personal Mm -hmm. projects and brands will get involved hopefully and fun both. Mm-hmm. And I think it, I don't know. I think it, there, we need both and I want both. Like I like the idea of like putting yeah. my phone down for 20 minutes and watching something. I love it. Right. You know, it's like part of the whole human culture, like for years and years, like ancient times, people from the beginning of time would sit around and tell stories to each other and like pass that down from generation to generation different stories and that's how you learn and how cultures are developed and cultures are maintained also. And, you know, with so much, like such short attention spans these days, I hope that doesn't get lost. But I think, you know, the ski industry is so small in the grand scheme of the world. 
but it's what we all really care about. And so within the ski industry, I hope that that like type of storytelling can exist too. You know, if you sit down and read a good book, like it takes you to a different place outside of yourself. And my hope is that if I can start creating or continue creating, say ski films or projects around just outdoors, things that I personally like, that also have a story that can inspire other people to then like maybe take action or take action to like improve their own life or to improve the world around them or just be nicer people, whatever it may be. Like, I think that stuff's really cool. Like ski porn for sure. Super fun to go out and do and like find the best conditions and like push yourself um, and show like people what you're capable of. But also, yeah, the storytelling is just has so much more depth to it. And I hope that that continues to be funded by brands so that it can continue to happen. You know, the self-funding is really hard to do. I've done a lot of that. Yeah, it's not um, it's not realistic. Like, I, I mean, yeah. you can do, you can only do so much. But I think mm-hmm. I think it goes back to perception and like how. Like, I think if you tell a proper story, people will care. But like, it's harder yeah. now because we are desensitized. So like, if it's going to come out, it has to be good. And people call people's bullshit, whether it's good or bad. And the internet is like great and terrible at the same time. But like sometimes it's refreshing and it's like, but it also, when you're making the story, it, it should, I think, make you feel like this has to be real. This has to be me. And I have to tell the story properly. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do that too. And then it's hard to put stuff out unless you're like, yes, I love this. I like the way it turned out. Right. It's, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't we can talk about that forever cuz it's just like yeah. it's but I think if you create something that's genuine and you put your time into it, people see that and it will it will go. Um and I mm-hmm. think and I think even if you put something out and it doesn't do well, deep down you'll probably know that you didn't put everything you had into it. Like it's kind of neat when you do that. I don't know. I've put out a lot of like film projects, like just small fun ones. And I'm like, the ones that bomb, I'm like, yeah, I can see why that bombed. Like, yeah, could have seen that coming kind of thing. I knew that was going to bomb. We put it out, but like, so I don't know. I think it's, that's the glory of the internet is it, it calls you out. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, that's how I, it's actually interesting. I get asked how I became sponsored by Polaris quite a bit. Um, and it's actually because I was very transparent about my skill level and I actually got sponsored by players when I was first starting out as a snowmobiler, like a mountain snowmobiler. I had been on them and around them for a while, but, um, yeah, I was very open about it. I was like, yeah, I'm just learning and this is my process and this is me falling and like flopping. And I don't know anything about mechanics right now, but I'm learning and each year progressed and, and players like that because they're looking for to inspire new people that are like, make it approachable. It's like, you can be a beginner too. And that's okay. Hey Polaris, I am a beginner. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, just embrace where you're at. It's okay. You don't have to be like a superstar all the time. Well, I think like, just people know, yeah. they know people's BS. And I think that's like, uh-huh. just be your truest self and be transparent and be honest. And like brands need relatable people. They don't just need people who are just insanely good at things. Like Polaris has plenty of, Let's say Cody Cam, like he races sleds every week. He's a professional snowmobile. Like they have that category filled and the people that Mm -hmm. care about that know who he is. But like, I don't know. 
little Jimmy and little Becky who are like getting into backcountry skiing and are ready to get sleds need an Amy to look up to. They don't need Cody Cam. They're not going to be Cody Cam. I mean, it gets hard to see yourself in his shoes. Right. You know, I learned I'm, that when I first started shooting ski photos for Ski Utah. I was like, oh, I want to jump off that cliff. They're like, no, just just do a powder turn over here and smile. Yeah, we don't need you to do and that. At first I was like, that's so lame. Like I can do I'm more I can do more than that. But then they explain, like, well, we're marketing to people who want to come here and ski powder and they need to be able to see themselves in your shoes. Yeah. And it totally made sense. Like, oh, I get it. It's marketing. And what a like, what in a that concept. Instance, you know? What a concept. What a concept. Um yeah. were you in a McDonald's what commercial? A oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Sorry. I I, <laughs> I um I'm laughing because when you were like, if I ever make it in a ski movie, I'll be like an accident in the background, which I don't think is true for you. I think you would be very intentionally placed. But thank you. When I was in the McDonald's commercial, I I was with a talent agency in Salt Lake City, like for modeling, and but I wanted them to be an agent for me as a skier, and that's just not really what they did. But anyways, there was this job um, for being in a McDonald's commercial. And it was for like the people actually eating the McNuggets is what I like applied for. Um, but then they were also looking for skiers because it was for the Winter Olympics, um, one of the Olympics commercials. And and I like submitted my ski stuff too. And so they picked me as a background skier. And I just thought that was kind of funny because I was like out of focus, but I was having the time of my life, like ripping down. They would like drive me up to solitude. Sorry, my dog is barking That's a little right. bit. We love dogs. Yeah, she's a, she's a wild little thing. Um, I think she's barking at herself in the reflection of the mirror. So sorry about that. She's getting more excited by the second. Anyways, it was kind of funny because I was probably completely out of focus. Um, and they had this other dude who was like hitting a jump and he'd like, go off the jump and then the girls would like feed him some chicken or something. And I thought the whole concept was kind of lame because he kept crashing. I was like, put me in, like I can do it. <laughs> um, but that was the first time I got paid to ski. And so that was kind of a kick, kick start for me. Dang. But yeah, pretty funny. Cause I do not like McDonald's. I've been at McDonald's in I will say 15 years at this point. Wow, that's great. Congratulations. I'm very proud of it. Someone was like, just have a chicken nugget. I was like, dude, I'm like so deep into this that like I can't. Like, yeah, the mental spin now is too much. I just can't do it. Also, so I'll just be an, I'll be an addict. I'll be like, I will love no. them. So I just can't. I'm out. I can't do it. Yeah. You know, there was this guy that I guided on a backpacking trip. Um, and I, <laughs> I like to cook from scratch when I'm guiding backpacking, which makes things a lot heavier. But Anyways, I made these like breakfast sandwiches that were like an English muffin that was toasted with cheese and an egg on it. And he's like, wow, this is better than McDonald's. And I thought he was being sarcastic. I was like, well, yeah, obviously it's better than McDonald's. I just made it Set your goals a little higher. And, and he's like, no, really, like I actually eat McDonald's every single day. And then he went on to tell like the story of why, and it was like a financial thing, but then he just liked it a lot. And but also like, he's listen. on a guided tour, backcountry right. tour. So like financially you're pretty okay. Cause I think someone else paid the other person like probably paid for it. Maybe not. I don't know. I was like, listen, there's ways to affordably eat healthy. I'm happy to help you with that. But yeah, he truly ate McDonald's for every meal. That is an insane yeah. thing. I would have a heart attack. Uh, favorite yeah. pocket snack. 
Oh, oh, for well. <laughs> no, this is like just a candy. favorite pocket snack. There's not a skiing. It's. I love chocolate. Okay. But I also love sour gummies. Like like SPKs. Not, not, no, so yeah, yes. Sour the watermelon. Sorry, it took me a second. I'm not as hip. With yeah, the I'm hip lingo. with the SPKs. <laughs> yeah, I do like those. I just ate a bag of them actually driving back from Jackson. Watermelon? Yeah, the watermelon kind. What about the, other the peach? Ones I'm not really a fan what about of. the peach though? I do like peach. Yeah, peach, peach or good. watermelon. No, no grape. Yeah. Don't like the grape. Mm, mm, mm. No thanks. Okay. All right. Uh, what about healthy pocket snack? Uh, <laughs> healthy pockets up. I'm not very good at rapid fire questions, am I? Oh, we're gonna go. We're gonna go deep into them in a minute. Okay, so let me. I'm just pack. getting warmed up. Healthy pocket snack would be not carrots, but carrots is coming to mind. Then it's oh, carrots. dates. I like dates. No, I. Sweet. I don't have They're any sweet. of my hot cues because I deleted my thing. But I would play. The only one I have is this one. That's hot. That's hot. But you can't use that one for that. <laughs> Normally I have an Arnold on here, but I don't, I, I'm not set up for it. I'm sorry. I like the hot one. That's great. Yeah. That one's good. I'm trying to bring Paris Hilton back. I don't know if she left, but. That's hot. I don't know. Oh, there she is. Yeah. It's great. It just puts yeah, in we'll there. Yeah, bring her back. But I have an Arnold and he's like, don't bullshit me, but it's not on here. It's... <laughs> I do like dates. I actually started bringing those with me, um, ski touring. Okay. Because I have like an out of control sweet tooth um, and they're healthy for you. Yeah, but, but dark chocolate's good. Dark chocolate's a good snack. I do, yeah, but I prefer milk chocolate. White or just regular old milk chocolate? Oh, regular milk chocolate with caramel, uh, coconut, anything like that. Okay. But dark, I'll eat it for sure, but it's not my favorite compared to milk. I do like when I do have like a dark chocolate candy bar with like salt, sea salt on it. I'm like, oh, I'm healthy. Oh. Like I am a staple of health right now. I am a staple. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> pizza or tacos? Oh, oh, these are hard. These tacos. are like the easiest. There's just two options, one or the other. <laughs> I love them both, but tacos. Tacos? What kind of taco? Fish tacos. Fish tacos, Fish tacos. Fish tacos yeah. Playlists or podcasts? Oh, man. Podcast. Or no, playlists. <laughs> the worst of this. Can you tell I'm indecisive? <laughs> Pool or beach? Beach. Fruits or vegetables? Fruits. Text or call? Depends on the situation, but we'll go with call. Comedy or horror? Comedy. (laughs) Waffle or pancake? (laughs) Pancake. Groomers or pow? Pow. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Run Run or bike? Bike. Two stroke or four stroke? Two stroke. What is on your playlist right now? So many things. Give me like three okay. that we might know. Okay. Uh, well, I often have a Johnny Cash song. I like old country. Um, <sighs> I'm so bad at this game. It's hard. You look at it. I just don't want to say like the cliche. Things. No, see, that's the problem. You're thinking too. Now you're like looking you're it thinking, up. Because I wasn't thinking before and we were in the flow. Let's go to my liked songs. Okay. Sergio Simpson is on one of my most recent Who? songs. 
Sturgill Simpson. He's like a country singer. No I'm idea. From, from I mean, come on. <laughs> I know. I have no um, idea. And then let's see. I have Hippie Sabotage. I really like Hippie Sabotage. That's a band or a genre? <laughs> it's a band. Okay. If you had to if play I, bass, well, any instrument in a band, what band would it be and where would the concert be? Okay. I've always loved the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like since I was a kid, they're my favorite. And I was listening to them when I was driving home yesterday and like singing along. So I was like into it. So um, what? I actually, I used to play the trumpet. Oh, you should be in like a ska band. College. Yeah, ska band would be good. Um, but aren't you? Or Polish, have you heard of Polish ambassadors? Yes. Yeah, I feel like I could I could play in that because it's like kind of funky but like mystical, um, but you can vibe out to it. If you were in the Red Hot Chili Peppers, what <laughs> instrument would you be playing in a hypothetical world? Um, like a guitar. You'd be the guitar. I'd be the guitar person, yeah, and singer. I've always wanted to be a singer. There's still time. I don't have the courage to do that. All right. If there's a karaoke bar at Jackson, we're doing some meatloaf. Okay. Great. Like I almost sang karaoke at OR, the one of the last ORs that happened in Denver before COVID lockdown. What do you mean almost? Well, Give me a I mic. was like, because someone signed me up. Icelandic Skis does this like karaoke sing off. And I said I, I would do it we were going to sing Shakira hips don't lie. And I was so nervous. I had the biggest adrenaline rush and I made my partner and I go outside and we were like practicing and like doing his dance moves. And then the guy never called us up. So I was so upset about it. I was like, Oh, that was, have you never done karaoke? I've never done it. So if you're doing never. karaoke, what is going to be your karaoke song or is it hips don't lie? Probably hips don't lie. Cause I'm ready. I'm emotionally ready for it. I've overcome the fear for that particular song. That's a hard song. She's like, it is. Something like, like that's high. Yeah, it's, it's really high. I don't know. Oh, I, I just okay. don't know. Uh, who's better at jumping rope? You or Mike Tyson? Oh, probably Mike Tyson. No, I could take him. I'm going to take that back. I could take him down. He's good at fighting, but I can do tricks. Who would win in a fight? You or Mike Tyson? <laughs> Mike Tyson. <laughs> Favorite. I've never been in a fight, so I book. Favorite book. Yes. Um, I, I really like this book. It's, I really like philosophy books. Um, and there's one that my grandma gave me. It's called The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. I love that one. Okay. Yeah. Should I read, I read it? it all the time? What like that's a book you recommend to people? Yeah, I would rec I would recommend it, but I don't think it's for everyone. Okay. Like I, I think you've got to be in a place where you're ready to read something that's like a little bit out there. How the one you... I would recommend to dog lovers is um Dog Songs by Mary Oliver. It's like a book of poems about dogs. And I am a dog lover, so I I read little poem <laughs> books in the morning with my coffee. <laughs> I have a, a very soft side. That's okay. I think, I feel like most athletes do. They just don't tell anybody. You have to, that's like the balance. Like you have to like do all these like quote unquote, like extreme things. You have to like calm down and find that. I think it just has mm -hmm. to exist. Uh, boa and ski boots. How do you feel about them? 
Oh, um, I've only used a boa with my snowmobile boots and I loved it until it broke. Yeah, everything's fine until it's not. There's going to be yeah. so many returns on these boots. Um, I think they're going to fit great. They're going to work phenomenal. But like once the masses get these boots, they're going to You know, them. you're the first one to tell me about this. I must be out of the loop. Oh, ski boots have boa in them now. The bottom two buckles are boa. Oh, I see. Yeah, I've seen those now that I think about it. I, th- I was thinking of the liners for some reason. They also you know, have, like the some have K2 as boa liners. Okay. I ne- I've really struggled with finding good ski boots. Like the last five years, I've used a pair of broken touring boots because they were the only comfortable pair I could find. And Ooh. now I've grown, I've grown up and I've bought a pair of ski boots. And then I got sponsored by a brand that has provided me with a ski boot that I really like, but I was, I was buying my own ski boots. I like normal person, you know, um, <laughs> I do not mean to sound like that. Wow. Um, what? but I just, you I bought a boot? I bought a ski boot. I'm like, I don't know. I, I had a pair that I, that I purchased years ago that fit really well, but they ended up being broken, um, at the ankle joint. And I just never replaced them for like five years. I just kept skiing in them. And so finally, I, I actually did, yes, I purchased my my current touring boot um, and then pitched myself to become sponsored by that brand. Do you want to but say I, that said brand really, or can you not? Oh, Powder 7. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Powder 7 is, is like um, an online retail store. Um, they're family owned, great company, um, but they sell all sorts of different ski gear. To give them a plug, though, and this is not just to give them a plug. It's actually something I think is really cool is they have a ski exchange program. So anyone can like return their used skis and it's like a used car. Essentially, you get like a credit, like a blue book for what it's worth. And then you get like a store credit. Um, yeah, I don't know if they neat. give you cash or if it's just a store credit. Probably I credit. think it's kind of cool because, you know, we're in such a that's one thing that I kind of struggle with is like the com- consumerism where I'm always like promoting buying new things or like getting new things as a sponsored athlete. Um, and so trying to find ways to like reuse, recycle or give, give product to people who really need it. Um, something I'm trying to be more intentional about. So it's with Powder such, 7 doing that, I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. It's really neat program. And I think to touch on like the, it's definitely like my friends are like, Oh, woe is me. You got new boots. And I'm like, yeah, my boots fit like slippers. And then I had to get new ones. Right, and it's like you don't want to complain but we don't have a glove sponsor and my glove like my kit is all 686 because like we work with them and they're a wonderful partner and like my kit is all fresh it's all brand new it looks good and then my gloves are just ragged because i'm like (laughs) i'm a dirt bag at the at like the end of the day and i was skiing with jabber two days ago he's like you are so proud to wear those gloves it's like because this is me these gloves are right. me and like my kit is amazing, but like I'd have old boots on I'd have old junky skis and I'd be happy as a clam. Like I'm right. fortunate. It's not a woe is me. Um, but it is funny when you're like, okay, what do I do with this? Like, yeah. I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to like, I have a lot of jackets that I'd like to, like, I, I hate, I hate that I'm saying this cause I haven't done it yet. And I know I should have just have done it, but like take them to a women's shelter or, Somewhere where people truly need that gear and we're just getting so much of it. It feels kind of, it feels kind of wrong, but I understand why we are. Um, so 
trying to just be a little bit more aware and helpful to like, you know, pass this stuff on that we're getting such great benefit from. It is, it is, sometimes it's hard to give stuff away, but it's also funny. Like, I don't want to give it to my buddy. You're like, I'm like, dude, you're an engineer. You make 130 grand a year. Like, I'm not giving you this coat. Like, go be a consumer. Like, go be a consumer. That's why I exist. So you can be a consumer. Like, Mm -hmm. but it is hard. You're like, oh, oh, I want to get this guy a kit. Like, I just gave away a full kit. And my, this kid was like, dude, let me give you money. I was like, I just wear it. And if you're not going to wear it, give it to someone else. Don't sell it. Don't like, that's my rule. It's always like, you can have this, never sell it. Give it away. Give it to Goodwill. Don't ever sell it. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's definitely one of the challenges that I mentally grapple with a lot is like promoting the, you must have a cool new kid each year, which is just realistic for most people, nor no. necessary. No, and there's something to be said for like old gear. Like it's it's cool. Would yeah, you rather then, yes. would you rather be able to run a hundred miles an hour or fly at ten miles an hour? Ooh, fly. Wait, ten miles an hour is really slow though. That might drive me nuts. You already said fly. That's your answer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'll go with it. What is your fly. strangest habit? Strangest habit. Oh my gosh, I don't know. It's something I'm unaware of, probably. <laughs> Do you have any hidden talents? I think jump roping is a hidden talent I have. I mean, I found it out. It's not that hidden. Right, okay. But, okay. Um, we'll take it. I'll take that answer. I That's acceptable. I think I'm good at singing, but I'm also so self-conscious of singing in public. This, so no one will ever know. This should be your goal. You should sing. Just let it out. Do you want to do a ballad yeah. right now? No, okay. I knew I had a feeling you were going to ask that, but. Um, oh, I had a good, oh, I guess it's not that good of a question, but I think it's a good question. Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to, to word this. What is one thing you wish everyone knew about you? Oh my gosh, these are such great questions. This is my job. One thing I wish everyone knew about me. I'm an excellent cook. That's a terrible answer. No, excellent. I like that because I'm going to lead with, I'm going to go to this. If you could have a meal with anyone alive or dead, who would it be and what would you cook? Mm, that's Okay, I've, I've always been a fan of Jane Goodall. Okay. I love animals a lot. Like, I love animals. When I was a kid, I was like, I'm going to be an animal psychologist. Don't know what that is. I still don't know what that is. I think Jane Goodall has done that. Um, and so I, I think I would have dinner with her. I think that would be really interesting. I'd like to ask her about monkeys. Um, <laughs> love monkeys. Um, and I would cook. Hmm. I've been cooking this Thai dish called Larb Guy. Larb Guy? It's called Larb Guy. I know okay. it's a weird name. But it's it's a Thai dish and it's really it's really good. It's like in a lettuce wrap and it's like ground, I think it's ground chicken. You can use any kind of meat, but it has all different types of sauces and it's kind of fresh, but spicy. I'm not a fan of spice, but I don't know. It's something different. And I think I'd try something unique for, for Jane Goodall. Okay. My like- dad has a steak restaurant. So like meat, like that kind of like Western type of food has been prevalent in my life for a while. And I really do enjoy that, but trying new types of 
um, food has been fun to cook. If you were a wrestler, what would your entrance song be? Oh, man. I would do Hips Don't Lie by Shakira. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know we were going to talk about Shakira this whole time. This is great. She's, she's a boss and she's awesome. Have you ever won a ski joring competition? No. Okay, no, now ask me, ask me that question. Have you ever won one? Yes. That's crazy. It was, That's absolutely incredible because it's so challenging. And there are people that do those events are really, really good at it. Mine was not challenging. Um, oh. And the people I was competing against were not very good at it. But they did a little event on the East Coast and I won it. And I have my trophy somewhere. That's amazing. Congratulations. It's a, it's a major award. I lost award. my toenails doing it. So anyone that can like pull through and continue is impressive. It was a long time ago. But... I have that. That's my claim to fame. It's the only thing I've ever won. I've in my never life. met anyone who's won. They're too elite. I can't read them. This so. could be TGR. If you need a former ski joring champion, it was yes, so low the- budget and so bad. Like I, I would never. No, I can't. I can't well, actually awesome. claim this. You uh, know, I must be so annoying to them because every time I'm like, so let's do another ski joring segment. So I have this idea for a ski during shoot. So let's go ski during. They're like, okay. Okay, we, did we that. got it. <laughs> we... I did make the credits for the ski during shot. See, that's... And that was my claim to fame. That's but it. But yeah, I will let them know. Please don't. I don't want to be in it. That's not what I want to be known for. Oh, whatever. That's an awesome thing. If you could have it's an exciting. unlimited supply of one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, coffee. Oh, okay. How do you take your coffee? Good coffee. Good coffee. What was the question? How do you take your coffee? Oh, I prefer like medium to dark roast with a little bit of half and half. I, but I, I make it every morning with an AeroPress. You're an AeroPresser. Do you flip it upside down? Oh, no. You can do that? That's a thing, yeah. Oh, no, I'll try that tomorrow. Like do Things it. Get crazy. But... You do it, and then you flip it upside down, and, like, uh, there's so many portals of how to do AeroPress coffee. I need to go down that portal because I – so the reason I – I've had this one AeroPress for many years. I'll go on a tangent because I know we're on rapid-fire questions. But um, this was on a backpacking trip, and this one guy on the trip noticed that I was always up because I get up, like – I need to have my coffee before I can engage with people. And so as the guide, I would get up like in the dark and make my coffee in bed and like sit outside my tent or in my tent and drink it. And then I would get up and make coffee. So it's ready for the guests on the trip. And he was up like same time as me and noticed my obsession. So he sent me an AeroPress in the mail like a week later. And I've used that same exact AeroPress for like at least five years. Oh, that's amazing. It's like, yeah, but it's delicious. It makes it really, really strong. It does make it really, really strong. But there's something to be said about like a like it's like a tool and you like continue to use it until it's broken. Which is like right. and it's like probably like it's probably a little gross. <laughs> not like ski boots, but kind of like ski boots. They're both kind of a little gross. And- yeah, they're a little gross <laughs> and you're like <laughs> you camp wipe it and you're like, that's clean. Like that's fine. <laughs> yeah, totally. But I got the um the metal, you know, the part that it like dr- strains through. Oh yeah, um, you're like the, the metal filter. Metal yeah. 
the filter. Yeah, instead of the uh, paper filters. Bougie. So I feel better about that. Very bougie. Dang. Did you name? Does your snowmobile have a name? Oh, they've always had a name, and I haven't named the one I have right now. I think like we should have... name it right now. That's a good idea. <laughs> Let me give you some context. So my first one was named Bluebell. The next one was named uh, The Black Tornado after a Chris Ledoux song. Okay. And then uh, the next one was named Bluebird. So a lot Lucky of blue. Bird. Okay. A lot of blue. And then, you know, oh, because then my next one, that's like a flower wrap, but before it was wrapped with flowers, it was red. So it was the cinnamon bear. Um, and then Dang. it was wrapped in flowers and it didn't really have a name at, during that point in its life. Um, still the cinnamon bear, just not spoken about. Um, and now my snowmobile is all black. It's very sleek, but it's going to have fireweed flowers on it. It's just not ready yet. But yeah, let's name it. What I mean, I like the Jaguar a little bit. I mean, it's why too, not just good. run with that? The Jag? That's an old snowmobile, but it was an Articat. You're Polaris. You're your team oh, Polaris. Yeah, you can't be. But it was called the Jag, which is like cool. I don't know. It's a cool name. But actually, it's pretty cool. I mean, you can call it the Jag. Right? Yeah. Jaguar? I don't Jag? Know. It's like a dog. Like, you can't just, like, name it. It has to. I know. It has to all of a sudden, like, say its name. Do you normally. So you name. Do you name your car? Yeah. What kind of car do you drive? Um, I have a Ford F-150. What is its name? Well, okay. So my. I just sold my one that was white. And its name was La Luna. Like, the full moon. Okay. I was, that truck was a pain in my, you know, and I had some other names for it. But then my new truck is like a brown, black, kind of purple color, depending on the way the sun hits it. And oh, I, I know that Plum. color, actually. It's kind of cool. I named it Plum Coco Merlot. Whoa. Your and naming is like uh, deep. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. But my dog's name, we just got a puppy and her name is Mango. Mango's so a good name. Yeah, she got that name when she was in the vet. And we're like, Mango's kind of cute. We were trying to find deeper names, and they just weren't working. Uh, but Mango works. I like human names for dogs. Like, what's your dog's name? Paul. Paul. That's a funny one. <laughs> like, just like real Kevin. Kevin's a great dog name. <laughs> Becky. Yeah. Like, just really generic. Hang on. Give me your F-150 name one more time. Plum Coco Merlot. That is a lot. That's a lot. I know. <laughs> she has some nicknames that can't be spoken about publicly. All right. Okay. <laughs> I understand. My van's name is Pamela Vanderson. Oh, that's that's clever. All my vans oh. have been puns. Stormy Vaniels. Yeah, you're more clever than I am. That's just for sure. bad van puns. Um, <laughs> everyone does like Van Gogh, and I was like, no, no, no. Stormy Vaniels. How long have you had a van? Seven years. Oh, wow. I had a I'll school have to pick bus. Oh, I've, Ooh, I've cool. had them all. I've had a school bus, ProMaster, another school bus, a transit, and now I have a sprinter. Wow. Yeah, I'll definitely have to pick your brain. I just got a pop top camper, one of those four wheel campers. Yeah. In the back of my truck, and I slept in it one night. No, two nights now. The first night, I got a ticket because I parked in Sun Valley's parking lot, but I couldn't get the heater to work. Oh, good. <laughs> Off to a so, good start. Yeah, it was a great start, but I learned that I was fine sleeping in it without a heater in the middle of winter. Like, I didn't freeze to death. 
So it's yeah, cool. it's just waking up. That's like the, yeah. That's... As soon as I got comfy, like the parking lot started to fill, and I had this huge yellow ticket on my front window, and I just embraced it, and I didn't move for a while. Oh no! Once you have the ticket, you go back the next night, put another, just put the ticket on the windshield. Oh right! Like yeah, you already ticketed me. It's fine. Yeah, oh, that's a good. Time. Yeah, you just live there now. Next night, I did. I've got the heater to work. I had to take some of the ducking out of it because of the elevation. So I was oh, told. Oh yeah. Um, and that worked. Yeah, they don't like elevation. It's a big thing. And I stayed the same warm. Degrees. It's a mm-hmm. it's a big, it's a big thing. Um. Yeah. I don't think I have any more questions for you. I think that I think you've done it. I think you've succeeded in answering all of my rapid fire questions. Well, that's good. I think I gave you an answer at least to each of them. Yeah, they were some the, of them were pretty wishy washy, but they were the longest short answers I've ever heard in my entire career. This is great. <laughs> what do you what do you have what can we look forward to? What do we have next? Do we have sponsors to thank, people to thank? That's a long, that's a long winded question there, but like, we know you're going to be at Kings and Queens of Corbett's. So like, we'll watch you just hucking your meat off of that in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, I will be at the top coaching you. Yes. What else can we expect? Yeah. So Kings and Queens is coming up and then I have, um, I'll be working with TGR again this year to film another segment. Um, it'll involve snowmobiles and backcountry. And then also um, we're working on a human like foot powered adventure that um, we'll see what we see. We haven't decided what that looks like yet. Um, yeah. So those are the main things for skiing coming up. Um, you can check out if you're interested in adventures that I do outside of skiing. I write a lot of trip reports for RAB equipment um, on their website. Um and in the summer, I'm hoping to do some more of that. I did a multi-sport adventure this last summer that should be coming out on Rab's website soon. Involved horses, pack rafts, um, climbing up and looking at glaciers all on my own. It was quite the adventure. Um, yeah. What else is in your question? Sponsors to thank? Uh, I yeah. Say- I mean, you you hit like all of your sponsors, <laughs> I think, pretty cleanly. I'm very impressed. But you yeah. can, I'll give you the moment here. Yeah, they've been important. They're very like integral in, in what I do. And I, I like who I work with. I think it's really important for me. Um, so yeah, Polaris and Zebros Racing and MoPros are my snowmobile sponsors. And then for skiing, Icelandic Skis was my first sponsor and I hope to stay with them forever. Love them. Um, Rab Equipment and um, I just joined with TGR Optics for my goggles and sunglasses. Um, so yeah, uh, so these are the people that I work with for for that. I also work at the Sawtooth Avalanche Center and teach some AVI courses. So if you're curious about um, avalanche education, like come my way. Feel free to send me a message. And um, yeah, thanks for listening to my random stories. And I appreciate you diving into so many different topics. It was fun to chat with you. I hope you enjoyed it. Where can we follow you? What's the easiest place for everyone to slide in your DMs and bug you? Perfect. Just Instagram. It's Amy Jane David. I have a TikTok, but I'm just, I'm just not ready for that yet. So no one's yeah, ready you for can, TikTok. <laughs> go to my Instagram, and you can send me a message or an email, and I'm happy to to chat. Cool. Um, thank you. Thank you for taking an hour and a half of your day and chatting and answering all my garbage questions. Whatever. They were great questions. I, I loved it. It was great. And 
I um, look forward to seeing you at Kings and Queens coming up soon. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be so much fun. 